What a weekend. Another Republican primary election is in the books, and it really doesn't change much about the trajectory of this primary in which Trump continues to win every single one of the elections so far. The difference was that this one was in Nikki Haley's home state of South Carolina and yet still unable to get 50 percent even. Nikki Haley losing to Donald Trump, Trump winning the South Carolina Republican primary with 59, really 60 percent of the vote to Nikki Haley's 40 percent of the vote, 60 to 40. And the results and the exit polls were so obviously lopsided that CNN and just about every network was able to make this call at the stroke of 7 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, which was when the polls closed. Here's CNN right now. We can make a major projection. CNN projects that Donald Trump will win the South Carolina Republican primary, defeating former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in her home state and securing his fourth major early victory in the GOP primary season. The former president taking another critical step toward winning his third Republican presidential nomination. So listen, there's two interpretations here. And in a moment, we will get to Nikki Haley's speech. She's staying in. Two interpretations. First, interpret it. Pick which one you like, you know, and two things can be true at once sometimes in this world. Interpretation number one is she has won nothing so far. Trump has won every single primary, and she's not winning in the polls any primary. And if Trump wins every primary and she loses every primary, there's really nothing to talk about. It's just Trump's going to be the nominee. Now, what's the counterpoint? The counterpoint is that 40 percent of the Republican electorate in South Carolina and a solid percentage in New Hampshire, 40 percent of the Republican electorate saying we don't want our own former president. That's not nothing. It's your if you're a former president, you're not dominating if 40 percent of the voters from your own party are voting for someone else. But where does that get us mathematically and where it gets us mathematically is that this is just a hang on for dear life candidacy. And that's Trump's life. And what I mean by that is if Nikki Haley can stick around and maybe Trump dies just like statistically actuarially actuarially. Sometimes people in their upper 70s who are obese and don't exercise and eat terrible diets, sometimes they die, right? So that's one possibility. The other possibility is something happens where Trump ends up, I mean, I don't know, in prison by November. So here's Nikki Haley giving her, uh, it sounds like a victory speech, even though obviously she lost. It sounded at the beginning like she was actually going to drop out, but then making it very clear she is not dropping out. This has never been about me or my political future. We need to beat Joe Biden in November. I don't believe Donald Trump can beat Joe Biden. Nearly every day, Trump drives people away including with his comments just yesterday. Today in South Carolina, we're getting around 40% of the vote. (laughs) 
That's about what that's about what we got in New Hampshire too. I'm gonna count it. I know 40% is not 50%. But I also know 40% is not some tiny group. Right. numbers of voters in our Republican primaries who were saying they want an alternative. And of course, the great news is we have a really good alternative to Donald Trump, and his name is Joe Biden. He's currently the president, and he's presiding over one of the statistically strongest American economies in a hundred years. So I don't know why we would dabble with Nikki Haley, but she's going to stay in, and really she she should stay in. If what we want is the best shot at getting a reelection for Joe Biden and denying Donald Trump four more years to be an authoritarian, egomaniacal lunatic, which is what he would be. Um, Nikki Haley staying in is good. It bleeds cash. It triggers him. It generates uncertainty. It uh, uh, upsets part of the Republican primary uh, uh, voter base. It may disillusion voters who, by her staying in, have the idea that maybe we could have someone other than Trump. And when she ultimately loses that piece of the Republican electorate may be disaffected and stay home. There's no downside for Joe Biden to Nikki Haley staying in. And so I want her to stay in as long as possible. Let's now go to another element of the South Carolina primary, which is the voters. I this is genuinely scary stuff. Uh, CNN and MSNBC did interviews with South Carolina voters, and these interviews are so deranged that it is yet another reminder of the fact that the path to victory in this country, we don't write off any state, but we know that Joe Biden's not going to win South Carolina. The path to victory in this country is not changing the minds of these delusional South Carolina Republicans. It's just not. It would be great to have a serious shot at South Carolina. Republicans win South Carolina. We don't need these folks. So the takeaway is we don't need to convince these people to win. Here are some of these interviews. This is CNN with supporters of Trump in South Carolina. Any concerns about the criminal charges that he's facing and how they could impact the general election? Um, no, I think that it's really hard being a young person trying to get a hold of um, information in the news because there's so many voices. And so it's really hard to know what to believe. And there's so many. There's th- too much diversity in the media. It's terrible. I don't know who to believe. This is straight out of Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, right? What 1984 and Orwell is we limit voices, we control it. It's all official government propaganda. Huxley's vision is it's so flooded with nonsense that nobody knows what to believe. The actual reporting is written off as propaganda and fake news. This is more or less what this young lady is alluding to. And so I try to do my best to know what I can, but I definitely don't know everything. As somebody who has uh, accidentally broken the law myself, uh, carrying a firearm into an airport, I believe that the legal system can be confusing not always transparent. I love that. The, 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 the law is very simple. Don't bring a gun through security in an airport. 
an unloaded gun properly stored can be checked in a bag. And it's just so confusing. This guy accidentally broke the law. And similarly, Trump might have accidentally committed 91 felonies in four different jurisdictions because the law is so complicated. You know, I would believe it if this guy said I'd run an Internet uh, sales business and it is really hard for the average person to understand based on my state and based on the states I'm selling to. When do I need to collect sales tax? It relates to South Dakota be Wayfair. This is like a big thing, right? This this is actually confusing. You hire a lawyer, they tell you, but that's actually confusing law. Whatever this guy did with guns at the airport, the law about guns in airports is actually very, very simple. Um, and until he is charged, uh, really found guilty for something uh, and punished appropriately so for it, I, I am not concerned about where he stands currently with legal situations. So if he is convicted, you would be potentially open to voting for someone else? Um, I don't know if I would go and, uh, yeah, I, uh, hold on, let me think for a second. Please. Um, it would have a serious impact on my decisions. As you know, Donald <laughs> Trump has. So understand that one. The guy goes, no, listen, I don't care about the charges or anything until Trump's actually convicted. And then the reporter says, oh, so if Trump was convicted, you'd vote for someone else. He goes, well, well, I'd have to maybe sort of kind of think about it in that way. They don't care. A few legal cases pending against him. If he is convicted in any of those cases, would that change your mind about? It? No, because it's all. Why? Yes. Well, they've had a hard time convicting him of anything so far. Um, I, I guess it would have to depend on what it was. But right now, yeah. probably not. And of course, there hasn't been a hard time convicting Trump. It's the trials just haven't started yet, which reminds us how disconnected from reality these voters are. Here's one more. This one's from MSNBC. They spoke to Republican voters about whether the 2020 election was a legitimate election. It's just as scary and dystopian. Take a listen to some of the answers of, the, of when I asked some of these voters, do you believe the 2020 result, uh, uh, the election results were legitimate? No. Why not? Are you kidding me? All the illegal. Okay. Absentee votes. So she lists absentee votes as a reason the election's not legitimate. Of course, absentee votes are completely legal and legitimate. Just saying the word absentee votes doesn't mean anything. All the illegal votes that were allowed. There were no illegal votes allowed that anyone's been able to find. All the illegal votes that showed up later that were for Donald Trump that were not counted. That has not been proven anywhere in even a single state is a lie. Did you notice how the guy standing with her just walks away? Donald Trump is our president. Well, I I stand by the fact that Joe Biden is my president, but I do have a lot of questions about it. Mm. What what are what are your questions? Well, um, I know that Trump was leading in all these states very close to the edge. And then there were massive dumps. Where have we heard that before? And wake up the next morning and all of a sudden all the Democrats won all those. And it's crazy. It's almost like they keep counting votes after I went to bed. How could they do that? I mean, it's got you've got to ask yourself what's going on. 2024, do you think there's any way that Joe Biden could legitimately fair and square win the election this time around? Are you joking? <laughs> Only if the illegal election happens again. Sure, there's always a chance. All right. So the last lady was marginally less crazy, I would say. 
This is who we're up against. They vote in South Carolina. The path to victory comes from us getting out the vote in the critical states. And I never say forget a state, right? We care about the people of South Carolina. Biden's not going to win South Carolina and we're not going to bring those people back to reality. We've got to get Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, you know, these the, the winnable states. We've got to get out the vote. These people are beyond saving for the purposes of November. Maybe in five years we can save. Okay. But in November, we've got to make them politically irrelevant and go around them rather than through them. Donald Trump gave a victory speech after winning the South Carolina primary over the weekend. It was one of the strangest speeches I've ever seen. Half the people on stage with him got booed, reminding us of the current fracture uh, within the Republican Party. Trump also read the names of his kids off of a note card, which is weird to begin with, and also forgot about his son, Eric Trump, who was standing on stage just feet away. This is really weird. Take a look at this. I have the pleasure of introducing some incredible people because they stuck right from the beginning, from the very moment we announced and, and they believe in make America great again. That's what they believe in. They believe in America first. We're putting America first. First of all, my family, Melania Barron. He's reading this. Remember Don Jr. and Kimberly, Ivanka and Jared. Tiffany and Michael, they're so, so supportive, so supportive of me. And we really appreciate it and love them there. So he seems to forget about his son, Eric Trump and his wife, Lara Trump, who are on stage right next to Trump and why Trump is reading who his family is off of a note card. It's all very weird. Then reminding us of the current fractured and ruptured nature of the Republican Party. Trump says, hey, Lindsey Graham is here. And Lindsey Graham is brutally booed. You can also hear some people shouting traitor from the crowd. He happens to be a little bit uh, further left than some of the people on the stage. But I always say when I'm in trouble on the left, I call up Lindsey Graham and he straightens it out so fast. And I'll tell you, no, 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 no. Remember, remember. (laughs) <laughs> the Republican Party, ladies and gentlemen. I love him. He's a good man. Come up here, Lindsay. Come up here, Lindsay. Come here. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. So the crowd not big on Lindsey Graham reminding us of this uh, extreme uh, sub wit intra Republican partisanship that's going on. Trump trying to rehabilitate the you're fired line from his apprentice reality show. We're going to be up here on November 5th and we're going to look at Joe Biden and we're going to look him right in the eye. He's destroying our country and we're going to say, Joe, you're fired. Get out. Get out, Joe. You're fired. There you go. So Trump rehabilitating that. And then lastly, again, this re I mean, there is a serious split right now in this Republican Party, South Carolina Republican Party chair Drew McKissick, also brutally booed by the crowd here. We have a man who's done a really good job in the state. Your South Carolina GOP chair, Drew McKissick. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
We have a highly opinionated group of people. This is a hate group, right? I mean, and I'm using that term in now in the literal sense, not it is a designated FBI hate group. This is just it's a group of people that hates a lot of other people. And if it is not whatever they perceive, I guess, as total and complete loyalty, then they boo you. My interest in this is that it hurts them in November and that they lose everything. After the break, we're going to talk about this Alabama IVF ruling and some of the reaction to it and so much more. Great to be back on a Monday here. Many people have the goal of getting in shape in 2024. Our sponsor, PhD Weight Loss, will help you make it happen. PhD Weight Loss was founded by licensed and registered dietitian Dr. Ashley Lucas. It's not a crazy diet. It's not pills. It's not injections. It's an approach that I find very reasonable because PhD Weight Loss understands weight gain isn't your fault. It's not a personality flaw. You're not lacking willpower. It can be quite complicated, in fact. PhD weight loss focuses on behavioral change, nutrition education, and it takes an overarching sort of holistic approach to body and to habits. There are no severe calorie restrictions. There are no medications. There's no chronic, unsustainable exercise program. Their program is about healthy eating, customized meal plan, one on one coaching for a more personal experience. The founder, Dr. Lucas, is offering a free workshop just for my audience on February 29th at 3 p.m. Eastern, where you can learn more about Ph.D. weight loss, why weight gain isn't your fault, evidence based approaches you can implement on your own right away to improve your health. Sign up for the free workshop at davidpackmancom slash Ph.D. They've helped over seventy five hundred people drop weight. You could be next. That's davidpackman.com slash PhD. The link is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I often struggle to find a good pair of socks that fits right and is comfortable. Our sponsor Strideline have developed the most comfortable socks on earth. They have it trademarked and it's true. They really are that comfortable. I love my Strideline socks. Strideline has spent years developing extraordinarily comfortable, functional socks that you just have to try to understand. Every Strideline sock gives you zoned cushioning direct compression with a contour fit and hydrophobic moisture wicking to prevent the rubbing and the smells. Strideline is also officially a partner of the NFL, MLB, NCAA and Major League Soccer. So Strideline is where you can go to keep your feet warm on game day. I picked up these awesome New England Patriots socks, even though the Patriots are OK. Anyway, I also love Strideline because they offer socks made from recycled plastic bottles that come out of the ocean so you can make your feet and the earth more comfortable. And Strideline supports what we do at The David Pakman Show, another great reason to support them. 
Enhance your comfort with an exclusive 15% discount using the code David at stridelinecom That's S T R I D E L I N E.com. Use the code Pacman for 15% off. Info is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show is funded directly by our viewers and our podcast listeners, people who follow us on TikTok, where we are now finally verified. Can you believe it? Uh, all of you can support the work we do in ways that can't be taken away by somebody at Meta or somebody at Google. Uh, and that's by signing up for a membership on my website, joinpacman.com. We do offer some great perks for our subscribers, including getting the daily show hours before everybody else with no commercials in either audio or video, whichever you prefer. If you prefer to listen, great. If you prefer to watch, that's available too. And of course, access to the daily bonus show, an extra show that we do every day. I know some people get upset. The show's over and they say, wow, the party can't have ended this quickly. It doesn't have to. You can go to the bonus show, oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. So you can sign up at joinpacman.com. You can also use the coupon code save democracy 24 and get yourself a discount. We have been following the Alabama ruling that frozen embryos to be used for IVF in vitro fertilization are to be considered children under the law. And we have video now of NBC reporter Dasha Burns interviewing vile, truly vile Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville about the issue, asking him about his reaction to the court ruling. He's all about pro family and more kids. Dasha Burns explains to him IVF leads to more kids. There are lots of people who can't have kids unless there's IVF. And so when IVF is restricted, it's fewer kids. Tuberville short circuits. His brain seems to turn to mayonnaise uh, right before our very eyes and says something about abortion. And Dasha Burns is like, dude, what are you talking about? Look at this. Dasha Burns with NBC News. I wanted to ask, do you have a reaction to the Alabama Supreme Court ruling on the fact that embryos are children? Yeah, I was all for it. Um, I was all for it. All right. Well, why? That's interesting. Does he have an idea what he's talking about? No. You know, you just got to look at everything going on in the country. It's a, just attack on families, attack on kids. You know, anything that we can do for the future of our young people because they're our number one commodity. Now, but before we go further, this is just inserting a talking point. There's been attacks on families and there's been attacks on kids. So I love this out of Alabama. How does that even relate to what you're talking about? Saying that frozen embryos are children pushes back against the attack on families. What? And Dasha Burns, she does a good job here. We need to have more kids. We need to have an opportunity to do that. And this, I thought this was the right thing to do. But IVF is used to have more children. And right now, IVF services are paused at some of the clinics in Alabama. Aren't you concerned that this could impact people who are trying to have kids? Well, that's for that's for another conversation. It's really not. And this is where he should say, you know, Dasha, I'm realizing I didn't want to look like a fool. So I started answering your question with prescripted talking points that I barely understand. I'm now realizing I have no clue what on earth I'm talking about. I'm going to go and research this and then I'm, I'll, I'll revise my opinion if necessary in writing, because this this is just crazy as a res It's not another conversation as a result of the ruling that frozen embryos are children. 
IVF clinics are now scared that in their normal course of what they do, which sometimes includes the destruction of frozen embryos that aren't are either not going to be used or are determined not to be of the quality. Embryos are sort of graded by quality in some way in terms of likelihood to leave to lead to a live birth. Those IVF clinics are shutting down on a, a temporary basis, we hope, because they are scared. Hey, could could we go down for murder if we dispose of frozen embryos now that these are considered children? So he says that's a different issue. It's not. It is exactly the issue we are talking about. I think the big thing is right now you protect, you go back to the situation and, and try to work it out to where it's best for everybody. I mean, it, it, that's what that's what the whole abortion issue is about. And of course, this has nothing to do with abortion, but that's another element of this for these loony right wingers. They assume saying IVF frozen embryos are children somehow is like canceling or banning abortion. And we're not talking about anything like that at all. But he thinks we are. So but this really isn't about abortion. It's about no, no, I, IVF and the concern that now families it, might not have access to it. But it's about the same direction. But I agree. But people need to have access. People need to have. We need more kids. We need the people to to have the opportunity to have kids. IVF IVF is not a Democrat or Republican issue. Families across it the board should, use it. What, what do you? What is your message to the Supreme Court if this does in fact stop families from being able to use IVF? Well, we don't need that. Then it would be bad. He supports it. Remember, a minute ago, he said, I support this completely. What if it leads to the kind of obvious thing we think it might? Oh, no, then we got to stop it. Then it's bad. Very, very bad. You know, I'm, all, I'm, I'm understanding that we need people to have an opportunity to have kids. Okay. That's, that's my whole, whole, uh, uh, that's, oh, sure. Sure, I do. Sure, I do. Sure, I do. I understand that. I mean, that's not my decision. But do you agree with that No, I, they should be able to. Yeah, should be. Sure, they should. Sure they should. Do you agree with the Supreme Court decision or not? I'd have to look at what they're agreeing to and not agreeing to. I have to. <laughs> so there he he was. So at the beginning, <laughs> this guy's just a moron. At the beginning, he says, "I strongly support this decision. It just, I'm completely for this decision." In the middle, he says, "Oh, uh, well, we can't. We got to keep IVF going. We got to keep it going." So do you support the decision or not? I'd have to read the decision. I actually don't. What are they agreeing to? What are they not agreeing to here? The, at some point here, interjecting the question, Senator, you have no idea what you're talking about, do you? Would have been a really great thing. And what we've really learned from this is a lot of people don't know what IVF is. And having had many friends who went through it and understanding between insurance and existing state laws in different scenarios. I have friends who have gone through IVF in different parts of the country. This is already both uh, difficult enough physically, financially, depending on whether you live in a state where it's covered by insurance, not every state covers it, and psychologically, that the last thing we need are more government restrictions and limitations and this sort of thing. And remember, they claim to want to keep the government out of this stuff, but they are very much putting the government in it. By the way, support for IVF. Last I saw uh, the polling I saw, I believe it's from December. So it's like three months old. Eighty five percent of the country supports IVF and related procedures just being legal flat out. And why wouldn't they? Uh, so Tommy Tuberville showing us what is the case for many of these Republicans. They don't know what is going on. CPAC took place over the weekend. And uh, at CPAC, 
Trump gave a speech. Bannon gave a completely anti-democratic speech, a lot of different different speeches. But one clip that went pretty viral that I want to play for you here is of conspiracy theorist and maggot influencer Jack Posobiec. He spoke and I have to tell you, I don't know how much of what I'm about to play for you is serious versus satire. I genuinely can't tell because these people don't really do comedy and satire. But here he says January 6th almost did it, but we really need to end democracy this time. Take a listen to this. All right. Welcome. Welcome. I just wanted to say welcome to the end of democracy. <laughs> We're here to overthrow it completely. We didn't get all the way there on January 6th, but we will we, we will endeavor to, forget, oh, oh, to get rid oh. of it and replace it with with this right here. We'll replace it with this right, right. here. Amen. That's right, because all and Steve Bannon says amen. So if there's any satire here, I'm struggling to detect it. But I'm guessing that they may go back and say this was an obvious joke to trigger the libs. Glory. All glory is not to government. All glory to God. Okay. We have to assume we have to assume in this where we find ourselves right now for our safety, for the sake of American democracy, for the country. We have to operate under the assumption that they are serious and that they are planning insurrection 2.0. This is not about Trump will become president and then he won't try to leave in 2029 when he's 80, whatever. I, I don't think that's the likely scenario. I know there are people in my audience scared of that, but I don't think that's the likely scenario. The more likely scenario is that Trump loses, but they go way further than they did January 6, 2021, in trying to somehow stuff him into power. And they are overtly talking about it. I don't know whether zero percent or 10 percent or 20 percent of that was supposed to be some kind of joke to make fun of those on the left who are concerned about the state of our democracy. But if we want to take seriously maintaining the democratic underpinnings of the United States to the extent that they are still democratic and there are ways in which they are not, uh, we have to take these people seriously, really genuinely dystopian stuff. You've heard me talk before about the show's financial accounts being hacked. It is a horrible experience. It can happen to anyone. Look at the stats and our sponsor Aura gives you peace of mind. Aura is the all in one solution to keep your accounts safe. Aura scans the dark web for your personal info, emails, passwords, social security numbers and alerts you if anything is found and helps you fix the problem fast. You also get alerts about suspicious credit inquiries. Aura protects all of your devices from malware with state of the art antivirus. And Aura helps you manage what your kids can do on their devices with really easy to use parental controls. You can try Aura for free for two weeks at Aura.com slash Pacman. Your usernames and passwords could already be floating around. It takes just seconds to find out using Aura's free trial. So you can change your passwords if you need to. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Everything you do online can be tracked by your Internet service provider, tech companies, the government hackers, unless you use a VPN to encrypt your online activity, hide your IP and make yourself anonymous. The VPN I use is private Internet access. 
They are the only VPN to prove multiple times in court. They do not log your Internet activity. Their stringent no log practices are independently audited by Deloitte. Private Internet access has a next generation server infrastructure with IP addresses in 91 countries in all 50 states. It's one of the only VPNs fast enough for streaming video and downloading large files. Private Internet access lets me access a bunch of Argentinian soccer that I otherwise wouldn't have access to. It's super easy to use. You turn it on once you forget about it. You don't need to be a computer expert. Private Internet access has a 30 day money back guarantee. 24 seven customer support and my audience gets private Internet access for 83 percent off. This comes out to just two oh three a month plus four extra months for free. Go to piavpncom slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. Taylor Lorenz, the journalist who uh, was on the show a few months ago, did something very interesting. She sat down with the woman known for libs of TikTok, Haya Rachik, and really asked her, what is the issue you have with trans adults? The reason this was so interesting, and if you're not familiar with libs of TikTok, libs of TikTok has done everything from docs and identifies specific individuals for targeting because she doesn't like their uh, choices that they've made in terms of how they want to live in society and so on and so forth. Very transphobic and all very, very uh, um, extreme. And what was revealed during Taylor's interview with Haya is it doesn't even really seem like Haya understands why she's been ruining the lives of so many people. And I'm going to have more to say about that in a moment, but let's uh, let's watch some of this conversation that took place. If you eradicate transgenderism, which I believe you suggested in a post today. No, I never suggested that. Oh, okay. You reposted a post that was advocating for that. What would happen to the people that have already medically, socially completely transitioned and are leading happy lives? What would happen to them? I mean, what's your plan for, for that? If transgenderism doesn't exist, which it seems like you're, that's what you believe, what happens to all the people living happy lives as trans people? Well, it, first of all, the whole trans is it's based on a lie. You can't change your you can't change your gender. Okay, but so they could they could go live their 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 life. I mean, I can't tell someone what to do in their in their house. Sounds like you do want to tell people what to do in their house. I never said that. So you're totally okay with people being trans, just not as long as they're in public. No, I never said that. They could. It's the whole thing is based off of a lie, and I think that um, the fa this lie cannot be mainstream in our in our society. It's just it's a lie. And what harm is it causing? Do you believe? Um, I like the truth. I like truth. Right, but I'm saying what what's the what's the harm of people expressing their gender identity differently than you believe it to be? What what harm are they causing? Um, like I said, we are a, a, um, a nation of truth. And I <laughs> so we've got more of this, which we'll continue in a moment. But so far, it's denying she ever said any of the things that she said and then just saying we are a country of truth. I like truth. We are a nation of truth. And what's funny when the anti trans people come forward and say what they care about is the truth. The, the, there are a lot of open questions about transgenderism, and I don't pretend to have the answers to any of them. Like, for example, 
Are there any circumstances in which minors should have sexual reassignment surgery? Even it's extraordinarily rare, first of all, right? We saw when Matt Walsh went on the Joe Rogan program and made wild claims about the numbers there. Okay. So when we talk about young people, are we talking about legal minors? Are we talking about prepubescent? Yeah, you know, these are really complicated issues. I don't pretend to have all of the answers. I think it's reasonable to have questions about some of these specific elements. But if we want to talk about truth, it is undeniable that humans express gender identity on a spectrum. How many times have we confirmed that? That part is true. If it is true that humans express gender identity on a spectrum, which they do, you know, I often give this example of put, put, putting transgender aside for a second. If you look at The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and you look at the fashion designer Isaac Mizrahi, who has great content on TikTok, by the way, you see that these are two men who clearly are on different parts of the gender expression spectrum. Once you concede that's a reality, then you can ask all sorts of other questions. Are these questions more appropriate for sociology versus? OK, but if we really want to talk about truth and where these people never want to start is clearly there is a gender identity spectrum. Once we acknowledge that, which I don't know how anyone could deny, then we can go and ask other questions. But th these are the folks who say they have the monopoly on truth and they don't want to accept the simplest of simple truths. I'm, I'm, I seek the truth, but that's but I'm asking about the harm. What's the harm? You might believe it to be false. but what's the, the harm, harm is that there's a lie that is very mainstream and is being embedded into every institution. I guess I'm wondering what the material harm is, aside from it's maybe something that you disagree with, as in your version of the truth is different than their version of the truth. What is the material harm of them living their life as a woman or man or gender that you don't? Not anything that's wrong. Is there a material harm necessarily? Wow. There is not necessarily any harm. So th there's a bunch of funny stuff about this. First, if you're watching, you might notice that Haya is wearing a T-shirt with Taylor Lorenz's face on it. So she showed up to this, I guess, with the idea of ridiculing her in part by the T-shirt she was wearing. The other really funny part about this is that Taylor is not asking really difficult questions in the sense of, you know, can you explain what you believe? Can you explain why you believe it? Is there any harm to what you identify that you don't like? And Haya doesn't appear to ever have actually devoted any thought to this. And this is very often the case with these people, Tucker Carlson and you know, Matt Walsh with his big anti trans stuff. They're not really serious people where they can get a crowd of the, their supporters fired up about all of the terrible things that they've identified. But when you really get down to what is the harm here that you are identifying, if they are prepared, they can rattle off something like child mutilation vaguely or something like that. And then, of course, we go and look at the numbers and we see that what they call child mutilation is is almost exclusively not happening to anybody who is prepubescent at at minimum. And then you look at you go, this is what they're all fired up about. And part of the reason Haya comes off as very unserious is that it becomes clear that she's spreading hate for clicks, but it's not even based on any really articulable underlying beliefs. Uh, they also talked about uh, immigration. And on that issue, higher rates seem to be going in the direction of spreading great replacement sort of stuff. There were some months over the past three years that there were more illegals coming into our border than children being born in the U.S. Is that not does that not look like they're trying to replace us? 
I guess, um, sort of imagine America as a, a melting pot. Isn't that sort of what America was founded on? No, but they're, they're actually bringing in more people than are actually being born. So I guess if you, it sounds like you sort of do ascribe to this theory of the Great Replacement. Um, how does that make I just you look feel? At the facts and the numbers. Well, so, I mean, just let's give a corollary, right? A lot of Jewish people fled, you know, Europe, came over here also as immigrants. Um, and there's a lot of criticism towards Jewish people in those movements, in those far-right movements. So I'm just wondering, as a Jewish woman, sort of how you feel about that and your role in cultivating this fan base that might think of you as, an, as, a, as a minority or an outsider. Uh, not all cultures are equal. Oof. Yeah. So, so I guess she's basically saying when Jews like her came over, it was different because Jewish culture is better than Latin American culture or something. Now, I'm all for having real conversations about elements of cultures that we could say are more pro or antisocial, for example. But as an Argentinian Jew, who's part of both of these cultures. <laughs> the idea that we are going to slice and dice in this way is really off putting and, and, and pretty disgusting uh, and a nice job. by. I mean, and again, I'm I'm praising Taylor Lawrence for do, Lorenz for doing this. It's not like these were the most difficult questions to answer. And I don't say that as a criticism. I say that of the low bar that a lot of these folks like Haya Rachik will adopt this aggressive, hateful personality over stuff that it appears they've barely thought about. And to the extent that they have thought about it, they don't really have any good explanations for what they're doing. Truly disgusting. Donald Trump failing again during his CPAC speech, officially endorsing Joe Biden for president, pointing out Putin said he'd rather have Biden as president than me. And so would I. The brain is turning to mush and along with him. Well, Although he did announce the other day that he'd much rather see Biden as president. And I agree with him. Yeah. Very, very weird. I agree with him. I'd rather see Biden as president. Okay. Trump then going into the part of the speeches where he denies having a cognitive issue. Every Trump speech now includes a couple minute rant from Trump about how he's definitely not having any brain problems. He rambled on endlessly, telling these horrible and very boring stories. No, they're very informative stories. They're very important stories, actually. But no, that's uh, there's no cognitive problem. If there was, I'd know about it. In fact, if there was, you'll be the first to know because I will tell you. Right. I will tell you. But uh, yeah, he'll tell us right away if there's any cognitive issue whatsoever. Trump also taking the position now that he is a, a dissident, a political dissident. This is weird. I stand before you today, not only as your past and hopefully future president, but as a proud political dissident. I am a dissident. Yeah. So recently he was comparing himself to Alexei Navalny. He previously compared himself to Al Capone. Of course, a dissident is a person who opposes official government policy, usually when it's an authoritarian state. Trump isn't opposing authoritarian policy. Trump wants to implement the authoritarian policy. So dissident really seems like the wrong word. And speaking of authoritarianism, here is Trump's cultural supremacy coming out, saying some of the migrants coming to the United States speak 
languages that nobody has ever heard of and that it's horrible. <laughs> it's you. You laugh to avoid crying while saying he's a dissident. He says that he is not happy with people coming here who speak languages he hasn't heard of and that it's truly a horrible thing. We're equal opportunity. We have every country. We have countries that honestly nobody has ever heard of. We have languages coming into our country. We don't have one instructor in our entire nation that can speak that language. These are languages. It's the craziest thing. They have languages that nobody in this country has ever heard of. It's a very horrible thing. I said it's it's a horrible thing that there's language diversity among those who come to the United States. What a strange thing to say to the president of Mexico. You're going to have to give us twenty eight thousand soldiers for your charge. No, 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 Donald, I will not. do that. By the way, this this is supposed to be Trump mimicking an accent. Can you imagine what the blowback would be if Joe Biden started mimicking the accents of other world leaders? I will not do that. I cannot do that. And I said, no, no, you will. You will. I promise. Are you going to do it? No, 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 I will not do it. I said, listen, you and I, friends, I really like them a lot. So, yeah, loves them. I said, listen, not you and I just give me a negotiator because I don't want to do this with you. And uh, he said, I will do that. And he sent me this very handsome guy, very guy. So a very guy he sent him. Just imagine if Joe Biden did a terrible impression of a Mexican president with a bad accent, what you would be seeing on Fox News. And then lastly, speaking of authoritarianism, Donald Trump musing about killing shoplifters. And that's part of why he wants to give immunity to police so that they can just shoot shoplifters dead. You steal a Snickers. You might be dead. I could solve that problem in one day, in one hour, in one minute when the word got out that we took a very tough action. When kids walk out with television sets, like brand new, beautiful $2,000 television sets, and they're walking out, and the police are told, stand down, don't do anything. If the police would be allowed to do their job, and they would do it. There you go. And it's all going to be about giving police immunity to do whatever the hell they want. Trump at CPAC endorsing Biden, calling himself a dissident, looking extraordinarily confused as the sycophant crowd was both bored but titillated by the most aggressive dictatorial elements of Trump's proposals. This is what we're up against. After the break, Gavin Newsom confronted. Is it responsible to make Joe Biden the nominee? Gavin Newsom does a very good job of explaining what's at stake here. Many of us have holiday parties, New Year's parties coming up. You may enjoy an adult beverage. And let's face it, after a night with drinks, you don't necessarily bounce back the way maybe you used to. So you've got to make a choice. You could have a great night or a great next day until Zbiotics came along. Our sponsor, Zbiotics, makes the world's first genetically engineered probiotics. Created by PhD microbiologists, Zbiotics is a probiotic drink breaks down the byproduct of alcohol, which is responsible for some of those feelings the day after. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. This byproduct, not dehydration, is to blame for how you feel the next day. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic produces an enzyme to break that byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in the gut where you need it most. You drink a tiny bottle of Zbiotics before having any alcohol. You then drink responsibly, get a good night's sleep, 
and you will feel great the next day. Zbiotics works for so many people. Read the reviews online. Go to zbiotics.com slash Pacman and you'll get 15% off your first order when you use code Pacman at checkout. That's Z-B-I-O-T-I-C-S dot com slash Pacman. Using code Pacman saves you 15%. The info is in the podcast notes. California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom was interviewed on NBC by Kristen Welker over the weekend. He was asked, is it even responsible for the Democratic Party to make Joe Biden their nominee, given fill in the blanks here? And Gavin Newsom does an excellent job of laying out the record, explaining what is at stake and using genuinely effective Democratic messaging. You don't have to like it that Gavin Newsom went to dinner at the French Laundry during covid restrictions. You don't have to see Gavin Newsom as the be all end all of progressivism. He's not. But it is really a model for the tone and demeanor that Democrats need to take when presented with these bogus questions and with presented when presented with an alternative in Trump that should be considered criminally insane. Take a look at this. A lot to discuss. Do you think it's responsible for Democrats to put him at the top of the ticket, given those concerns? Responsible. I revere his record. I I mean, this what he's done in three years has been a masterclass, close to 15 million jobs. That's eight times more than the last three Republican presidents combined. The economy is booming. Inflation is cooling. It's 0.6 percent more than it was in the summer of 2020 at just 3.1 percent. Wait a second. We have American manufacturing coming back home all because of Biden's wisdom, because of his temperance, his capacity to lead in a bipartisan manner, which is an underrepresented point. And so I have great confidence moving forward. So the answer is absolutely all in in terms of the next four years of Joe Biden. These voters, though, are not complaining about his record. They're talking about concerns about his ability to beat Trump, who you've called a a lightning, a threat essentially to the democracy. But in in private, we've heard a lot of, well, we've heard a lot of his allies say publicly in private, he is strong, he's in command, he's forceful. Does he need to do more to show? I think he's doing everything he needs to do. I mean, he's got an extraordinary record. He's doing everything he needs to do on Ukraine at the moment. He's doing everything he needs to do uh, to reconcile and wrestle some common sense as it relates to a bipartisan approach to address the issue of the border, uh, where the Republicans couldn't take yes for an answer uh, because they don't want to make that a political issue. Uh, He is leading. And so, no, from my humble perspective, not only the last three years have been extraordinary, I've been out with, as you know, on the campaign drive, I was just out in California, I've seen him up close, I've seen him from far, but here's my point, it's because of his age that he's been so successful. Mm-hmm. It's because of the wisdom and the character that's developed over years that we have the Chips and Science Act, the infrastructure bill. and the. So listen, Gavin Newsom is so good at this that he's actually able to maybe for a second make you ignore the fact that there are concerns about Biden's age and his effervescence, as I used with uh, during my interview with Jen Uger. To be abundantly clear, I have major concerns with Trump as well. There is a particular way in which because Trump is agitated and yells and does this kind of, you know, uppity stuff during his rallies that Trump may seem more effervescent. But there are concerns about Trump as well. And it is absolutely the case. I mean, you just look at polling. Voters are concerned with Joe Biden's age and his energy level. But what Gavin Newsom really gets here is 
What exactly is the concern based on what's been done? If you simply if you abstracted Joe Biden's term from his identity elements, which is an 80 something year old white guy who's lost a step since 2012, and you just had a list of accomplishments and said, does this seem like a successful presidency? Uh, just about any Democratic voter would say, yes, absolutely. Would I have liked to have seen more? Of course. Do we still have time left? Yes, we do. But what Newsom really gets to here is that this is an extraordinarily successful presidency. And why would you then generate even more chaos by trying to replace Joe Biden? Now, Newsom is also asked about his possibility to be the replacement for Joe Biden. Uh, and I think his answer makes sense both strategically and from an optics perspective. And I'll tell you why in a second. So you're ruling it out 100 percent. It's not even an interesting conversation. Okay. And by the way, I think it's a damning conversation. Frankly, the other side wants us to have. And trust me, I know the Michigash coming from the other side. I'm deeply mindful of the anger machine and all the entertainment industry out there on Fox and elsewhere that love ginning this stuff up. At the end of the day, not only is this train left the station, but we are we get to enjoy a record of accomplishments as we make the case in a re-election, the likes of which we couldn't have been dreamt of uh, even as a Democrat last century. So Newsom making the argument that the conversation about replacing Biden is a conversation that benefits the right and is being led by the right. That's mostly true, although there are some on the left that really want to have the conversation. And he's also making the argument that the train has left the station and he's not even thinking about it. Now, this is smart for a couple of different reasons. If if Gavin Newsom were to acknowledge in any way the possibility of him replacing Biden or replacing Kamala Harris to run alongside Biden or any of this stuff. There is no upside whatsoever. Trust me, Democratic insiders know that if something were to happen to Joe Biden, Newsom is near the top of the list as, uh, in terms of the people that should be considered. Now, the hypothetical Newsom versus Trump polling isn't particularly good, but Newsom also doesn't have the name recognition of Biden, and it's sort of like a far off hypothetical at this point in time. But it's not like it's an obvious win to replace Biden with Newsom. But everybody inside the Democratic Party knows there's a few names that would immediately come to mind if something happened to Joe Biden and he couldn't run. And Newsom is one of them. So Newsom is right from a strategic point to say not thinking about it. It's a conversation the right wants us to have doesn't make any sense. And like him or hate him. And I know there's people in my audience who don't like them. Newsom knows how to handle these situations. Trump speaking to the Black Conservative Federation Gala, despite it being the Black Conservative Federation Gala, when the camera pans to the crowd, you see a lot of white people there. And Trump making the bizarre statement that due to the bright lights, he can only see the black people in the audience. If you don't know which racist joke this relates to, I'll tell you in a moment. Good. These lights are so bright in my eyes that I can't see too many people out there. But uh, I can only see the black ones. I can't see any white ones. You see, that's how far I've come. That's how far I've come. Now, when you explain racist jokes and comments, it always sounds a little weird. But from looking at the comments on what Trump said, I'm realizing a lot of people don't necessarily get what this alludes to. There is this I don't even it's so it feels weird to call it a joke because it's another one of these tropes that's recycled. But the, the, there's this thing that's sometimes said that 
you can see black people in the dark because their teeth are white and that's what you see in the dark. And by every stretch of the imagination, this is the sort of thing that Trump is alluding to here. And what's really funny is that when the camera actually showed the crowd, it's a it's a black conservative group. It seemed like a mostly white crowd, which is just all all really, really strange. Uh, Trump also, uh, uh, I guess <laughs> he he's even talking in a way which I think he thinks will appeal to black people. It's all weird. Check this out. I have more people after my ass than anybody. <laughs> I think I don't think there's ever been a criminal. The worst criminal in history has not had the kind of attention that I've had. And then lastly, suggesting that black folks are supporting Trump because he's been getting indicted. It's very weird. And then I got indicted a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And a lot of people said that that's why the black people like me, because they have been hurt so badly and discriminated against. And they actually viewed me as I'm being discriminated against. It's it's been pretty amazing. That's just absolutely perfect. Black folks see Trump and they go, he's being treated by the justice system just the way we were treated for decades and decades and to some degree still are. This is really crazy stuff. And I am genuinely curious what percentage of the black vote does Trump end up getting in November? I don't know the answer, but it sounds like it's not going to be super high. I want to correct a false rumor that is going around. Uh, There are plenty of cognitive failures that Trump experiences, but it is being alleged that Trump got Melania's name wrong at CPAC. He did not. Okay, we just have to be honest here. This went viral with the headline Trump mistakes Melania. That's not what happened here. The organizers of CPAC are Matt and Mercedes Schlapp. Mercedes Schlapp was either right up front in the crowd or sitting on stage alongside Trump during his speech. Trump referred to Mercedes in reference to people liking Melania, but Trump is not referring to his own wife as Mercedes. We don't need to make these up, guys. We don't need to make these up. There's enough real ones. Here's the moment everybody's talking about. My wife, our great first lady, she was a great for people. Loved her. People love her. Oh, look at that. Wow. Mercedes, that's pretty good. Okay. so Trump is clearly saying to Mercedes Schlapp, Mercedes, look at how much they love Melania. That's what Trump is saying. Okay, Trump is constantly indicating brain issues. Is he on uppers? Has he lost his memory? He seems disoriented. We have hundreds of examples from the last several years. This is not a real one. Okay, he did confuse Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley. That's true. He regularly confuses Obama and Biden. He uh, during a deposition seemed to confuse his own ex-wife Marla Maples with E. Jean Carroll. He talks about we might end up in World War Two when he means World War Three. He has regularly said that Hungary shares a border with Ukraine and Russia when it doesn't. He has regularly said that Viktor Orban uh, runs Turkey when he runs Hungary. Hundreds. This isn't one of them. We don't need to make them up. Let's just stick to the facts. We have a voicemail number. That number is two two one nine two David P. The Eggman is calling in. 
and the Eggman has an opinion as to who will be Trump's VP, and he is ready to bet on it. Listen to this. Bro, it's going to be Tulsi Gabbard. I'll bet on that fellow. Okay, so the Eggman says Trump's VP will be Tulsi Gabbard, known to many as Tulsi Gabbard. You know, a year ago, I would have said there is no chance in hell that Tulsi is the VP. Six months ago, I said it really doesn't seem she's even on Trump's radar at this point in time. And suddenly Fox News included Tulsi in a supposed Trump VP shortlist. We saw news that Tulsi is going down to MAGA world in Mar-a-Lago to do some kind of speaking gig or something like that. Uh, at any point in history, I would have said there's no chance Tulsi is the VP today. I think the Eggman may well be onto something, and I think it is at least possible that Trump's play is I'll bring in a woman, a former Democrat. She might be able to bring over some of the Leninist left, the revolutionary left to my side. I don't think this is nearly as crazy as an idea as some would have you believe. We're going to keep an eye on it. We have a fantastic bonus show for you today. The Koch network is halting funding of Nikki Haley's campaign. I know some people personally associated with that Koch network. I'll tell you a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes. Florida is scrambling to get retired teachers to return to combat the teacher shortage they are facing. And Google is pausing AI generated images of people after an ethnicity related fiasco. All of these stories and more on today's bonus show. A David Pacman membership costs six bucks a month. Yep. Howard Stern is right. It's six bucks a month unless you use a coupon code and you can use the coupon code save democracy 24 to get a sizable discount off of the cost of a membership. Membership prices go up as soon as the new website launches. So even more reason to take advantage now. I'll see you on the bonus show, everybody, and we'll be back with a new show tomorrow as well.